The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. This week on the show, I think it's a topic we've done before. Um, most of mine may still be the same. Who knows? Uh, top 5 uh-huh. tabletop games. Top 5 tabletop games. Not uh, video games. Right. Uh, not necessarily RPGs, although you can play RPGs at the tabletop. Yep. But uh, tabletop games. Matthew, what do you what do you have for your number 5? I feel like we have done this without the specific framing, but... When you say tabletop, I'm like, hey, that opens up a lot of opportunities. And so it reminds me of the days of my youth when they showed me what it was to be a man. Doodly doodly do. Uh, my grandparents had, for some reason, just tons of like the really, really expensive, cool games. And one of the things that they had was something that I've never seen anywhere else in the world. The deluxe version of my number four, Connect Four. You know how usually your Connect Four is this like spindly plastic affair that looks like the, it it literally looks like what you get your models and your, your miniatures pinned to. It's all like really, for some reason, this was this big hard plastic thing from like the fifties or something. And it had actual like high quality red and black checkers to play connect four. And so occasionally I say to myself, I want to play connect four like I did when I was a kid, but it's never quite right because I grew up with this super awesome Connect Four board. So, you know, and also because Connect Four is a game that involves like mathematics and like three dimensional strategy. And these are things that I don't like. I don't know. But I always love to play Connect Four, even if I'm not necessarily, you know, focused on it, just because you get to go pretty sneaky death. And then, of course, you know, the whole thing just falls apart and you can start over. It's really nice. Nice. Rodrigo, what about you? What do you have for your number five? Uh, my number five is uh, is a, a tabletop role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, we played it a lot. Um, they say it takes like 10,000 hours. How many hours to become 10, a, a professional? Yeah. Yeah, 10,000 hours to become a professional at it. Um, so uh, I am pretty close. Uh, that's Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. Specifically Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. Um, it's a tactical game. It uh, it's, uh, it's pretty tight. Um, it doesn't like have a lot of places where there can be like um, confusion or or things that don't work very well as long as you stay away from a lot of the uh, internet. Um, not not homebrew stuff, necessarily, but actually the stuff that Wizard was pointing out during the lifetime of the game was very often not very well play-tested. Um, so if you uh, wanted to get into D&D but want to have everybody yell at you at all times, definitely check out Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. All right, very nice. Uh, my number five is uh, the TMNT... 
um, Adventures Changes Constant board game. This is an updated rule set of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game from, I want to say 2016. This is the 2020 update of that. The reason why I am putting the 2020 reboot, because that's technically what it was. The first one was a Kickstarter, and so only people who were in on the Kickstarter got it. This one is more of a retail thing that you still can't buy because IDW Games went out of business. Um, But the idea is you play the Turtles against everybody uh, from the from the comic books, uh, the Eastman and Laird comic books, and sometimes a little bit from the very first cartoon series, but not so much. It's still very much a comic book oriented game. Uh, one to six players can play and you can either play cooperative co- cooperatively one against the system. And that's one of the things that they did with this system is they updated it to um, have the have an AI run the villain or you can play it one against many, in which case everybody teams up against a single person who runs the villain and all of the uh, the minions for that game. It's it is good. I really like this game. There's a dice sharing mechanic that happens at the start of, of every round where all of the players get to share a die uh, between them. So like if Rodrigo and I are playing and I'm on Rodrigo's uh, left side, uh, I can put a die between us and he can use that die and I can use that die. And likewise, if there's somebody on the right side of Rodrigo, he can also use uh, the die that they have in between them. Uh, it's cool. good. It's, it's not super challenging. It is a little bit tactical, in uh in how the game plays it can play anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours we've played the uh the first version of the first edition of this game on munchkin land that you can find over on the major spoilers uh youtube channel uh, major spoilers video and i i just really adore this game i liked it more than i thought i should and i forget what the actual name of the system is called i want to say it's their adventures system the adventure system again before idw game shut down the adventures system was also used in the Batman, the animated series game, but I haven't really had a lot of time to mess around with that game, but it uses the same mechanics. So in theory, kind of like the Funko pop uh, board games that were released a few years ago, they're interchangeable. So I could have Batman come in as a character into the TMNT game. And likewise, the TMNT characters go over and play in the Batman game and it will be seamless as far as their integration. So it's a fun game. If you can get your hands on it, it is very expensive. If you try to find it on Amazon, I think right now um, you can find them anywhere from two hundred to five hundred dollars. That's how rare that they that they are. Um, but uh, definitely a fun game, and I really enjoy it. And that's why I put it at my number five. Moving up to our number fours, Matthew. What do you have for number four? Uh, in the year twenty nineteen, I moved into a new home. And one of the things that this new home afforded us was the ability to do new stuff. So we started doing Monday game night, family game night, where everyone would sit down and we would play a game. And so we have a bunch of games and we started adding new ones. And one of the ones that ridiculously turned out to be the most fun in the, I think in the short term for sure, was a game, a card game called Taco versus Burrito, which is apparently a game that their selling point, it was created by a seven-year-old. And you basically, you have your little card and you choose whether you're making a taco or a burrito. You have a handful of cards and you come up with, some of them are pretty gross, but most of them are these goofy toppings. So you'll have like things you can put in your burrito, but then you also have, you know, cards that will throw someone else's burrito out or steal something from somebody else or cause a negative effect. And it's, 
it's got a little bit of Uno to it. It's got a little bit, not necessarily deck building because you're not necessarily making a deck, but you're trying to collect a taco that gives you the highest score and also play with, you know, the, the goofy things. And while it's not something that is endlessly replayable because after a while you do start to realize, you know, Hey, this is what's coming up or these are all the things we have. You want to grab your expansion packs at that point, but you do kind of get to a point where it's a good game. It's a fast game to play. And it's one that if you only have a little bit of time, say, you know, everybody starts like having other things to do on Monday because I don't know, Monday game night was a great idea, but we also have lives you get to a point where you're like, you can play something quickly and then people can go off and, you know, be teenagers or whatever people do. So I actually think that this is one you can get for maybe $18, $19, probably available at your, you know, your local gaming shop or I don't know, your I think they have it at Walls Target. I think they have it at Target yeah. in the game section. Yeah. And the thing about it that I really appreciate is that it's not gross, gross. It's silly gross, if that makes sense. So like sometimes when you when you're playing a game it's like just uh you know it's the uh, the souls of a dead monkey you don't want something like that but it's it's kind of a a whimsical goofy kind of gross which is always nice to play with and worst place worst case scenario even like the really really old staid people who are like I have no sense of humor I think that there's something in here that they will kind of go a little bit as they go along my number four taco versus burrito. Cool. I always play taco myself, but all right. Uh, Rodrigo, what about you? What do you have for your number four? Uh, my number four is another tabletop RPG. Are they all going to be tabletop RPGs? You'll just have to listen to the rest of the list to find out. Um, uh, my number four is fate. Um, fate is a rules light, relatively rules light, uh, role playing game. Um, it, uh, comes in several varieties such as fate core and fate accelerated edition uh fate accelerated edition is a very is, is a good game if what you want is to smash a uh a one shot uh together and you don't care too much about like uh the the actual crunch of the game if you do want the game to have some like mechanical hooks that you can hook onto uh then you should play fate core um, and add whatever else. There's lots of different um, settings for Fate Core. The um, there's some individual settings, but for example, there's like a Dresden Files uh, setting for for it. There's a um, there's that uh, Cthulhu. Yeah. yeah, there's that Cthulhu thing that's more like a Back to the Future or like a Terminator adventure mm-hmm. than than a, you know Call of Cthulhu. Uh, so uh, yeah. It plays with special dice, so that is one thing that actually, I guess that's true of Dungeons & Dragons as well. If you don't have 20-sided dice around, uh, you're going to have to buy some, but Fate uses uh, these special six-sided dice called Fate dice, but uh, those that start, those of us that started playing it before that, we still call them fudge dice. And if you go to a game store, they might call them fudge dice still. So, uh, yeah, get yourself a set... And sit down with the Fate Core rulebook. It's a very quick read, and yeah. uh, I definitely recommend it. Like the, the the Fate Accelerated, and I think even the Core book, like five bucks for the for the starter book, and you can get it and learn it super super quick. So, yeah. 
Uh, my number four, I forgot to mention the TMT uh, game from IDW Publishing. One of the designers of that game is uh, one Kevin Wilson, who many people may know from Descent. Uh, he is also one of the designers between uh, for my number four game, Arkham Horror, the card game. This is a cooperative living card game where you play the role of investigators in the world of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Cosmic Horror. And each um, each set uh, takes on one of the uh, tales from H.P. Lovecraft. So you do a whole um, uh done a tour version. You've got one that, uh, the newest one that just came out is takes you down and does the, um, uh, the mountains of madness. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different ones. The problem is it can be very expensive. You don't have to get every expansion, but every expansion comes with new characters that you can play and new cards that you can add into your deck to make your character better or stronger or whatever. And so that can get kind of expensive. But Dr. Brad, Will, and I love to sit down and play this game. Uh, we usually do it with two players, although we have had D&D Brian and some other people play with us in the past. Um, it can be frustrating at times because, mm, in my opinion, most Fantasy Flight games are not designed to be easy wins. They are super challenging, and you have to figure out the puzzle in order to do that. And uh, I think there are more losses if you go out to the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, board game uh geek website uh i think there are more losses in this game than there are wins for people that report but it's still super fun i love the mythology that fantasy flight is built around their version of the hp lovecraft horror they're very complete in it and you find characters that expand across all of the arkham horror games locations lore all this stuff just as they've got a really good solid continuity going between all their games but right now my number four arkham horror the living card da- game certainly a lot of fun even if it is super challenging. Okay, we are hitting our number three. Matthew, what do you have for number three? Well, I didn't want Rodrigo to be the only one in the tabletop RPG land, but uh, it should also be noted that I'm extremely old, um, like literally hundreds of thousands of years old. And so when I started playing tabletop RPGs, it was actually the 1980s. Uh, cue the flock of seagulls. And... One of the games that we really enjoyed playing, although I'm not entirely sure we played it correctly, having played it in modern times, was based on what they called the Hero System game. Uh, it was Champions, the RPG. Uh, Champions, of course, most people that I know, which is to say, you know, people who listen to me talk, probably know Champions better from the related comic book series, which is also really kind of cool that the uh, characters in the game actually kind of went on to have their own comic book adventures but the champions game played on the hero system was nice because you didn't necessarily have to do the problematic combo plate balance out numbery thing in order to get your powers together your powers were actually more based on the effects that they had so you could manipulate a particular effect and then you could flavor it the way that you want it so say you you know you want to play a character like professor x it's going to be hard to do that in a lot of systems you aren't necessarily going to have like the build points at the beginning so you're going to have to try and play a young professor x or something along those lines but if you honestly want to play an old man with incredible psionic powers who you know happens to be in a wheelchair 
You can do that within that champion system. Don't necessarily recommend it, but you certainly can put together characters who are more like the archetypes that you see in the comics, those full-fledged characters, rather than with a lot of games having to start with, I have the ability to telekinetically control up to five houseflies and then build your way up. Also, what was really fun for me about Champions was interacting with the NPC costumed characters and being able to go, oh, yeah, this totally happened. Uh, yeah, I was, there was this thing in this comic book and we got to see Giant get totally killed, you guys. Oh, no, what do we do? Now the characters you know, could go and play off of that, which I always really enjoyed. And again, you know, when you're in high school, you may not always follow the rules as well as some people um, might in the, in the future. And that's to say, you know, people who actually read the rules all the way through and figure them out. But it also had a werecat, so that's kind of fun. But my number three, Champions, the RPG based on the hero system from like 1980, I'm going to say four, five, okay. five, four, something like that. All right, very nice. Uh, Rodrigo, what you got? Uh, my number three yeah. uh, is appropriately the third edition of a game, uh, <laughs> and that is uh, Exalted Third Edition. Um, I've I've enjoyed every every edition of Exalted. It um, the game has really built up through its time, and it's nice to see uh, each. I mean, we've only seen it happen twice, but uh, see what each edition. Uh, keeps or really they mostly tend to keep everything but what they add and what they focus on um, uh, a third edition is interesting because they re they completely overhauled the combat system and in fact this is a this is a game with a, an incredibly rocky backstory um, the third edition specifically as it took years and years and years past its like past any uh any goals that it had to to come out um and uh part of that was because they completely overhauled the combat system uh which you know it turned out pretty good it's interesting it definitely addressed a lot of the issues that happened with the other with like previous uh, generation systems or uh with the combat in previous versions mm -hmm. um so I've been running an Exalted 3rd Edition game for about five years now. Um, uh, and we are starting to get into the higher uh, level, like, uh, echelon of, of play. Um, if, you, if you're familiar with Exalted, the, the, my, the characters are about to, to be Essence 4. In fact, they already qualify for it. They just haven't sat down to do it. Um, so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the game continues to hold up because, as always with most games, it's the low to mid-level um, options that get tested out the most, right? The ones that get the play tested the most. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if these like high-end, um, like high-high-level uh, options and powers and abilities hold up, or if we're gonna. Ha I mean, we've already had to do a fair amount of of. Um, of house ruling exalted third edition is a huge system and some of the interactions between the spokes don't really work very well so it does require some amount of of house ruling so but still a lot of fun 
Yeah, very cool. Um, thank you for that. I, I hear a lot of people talk about Exalted. Not ever stepped into that world myself, so. Yeah. Uh, my number three is uh, I got in, interested in the Arkham Horror board game world way back in, I don't know, had to have been about 10 years ago when um, Brad and Brian and Rob and a couple of their friends all invited me over to play a game of Eldritch Horror which is this massive world-spanning game where you're jumping across the globe uh, trying to shut down portals and stopping monsters and trying to hit goals. And I was sold into that and bought that entire system. But um, Brad then turned me on to one that came out just a couple of years ago, the third edition of Arkham Horror, the Arkham Horror third edition, where everything just takes place in the town of Arkham itself. And again, all the expansions and all the stories, you can go on and take, take on specific Elder Gods, you can go and find creepy crawlies. You can move about the town fairly uh, easily while avoiding or fighting or taking out horrors and cultists and all these other things. When I first saw it announced, I was like, eh, I don't know. This game's not going to be any fun. And then I played it and I was like, oh, no, this game is a lot of fun. Uh, and it's one that's easily played with with one person. I don't think Eldritch Horror is one that can be easily played with one person, although you can. Um but third edition, there's something about the way that the board is laid out. It's all these, um, not hex tiles, but uh, eight-sided octagon tiles that are laid out that then interconnect with each other. And then depending on where your character lands, you pick up a little card that tells you what the scenario is in that in that area as you go around trying to collect clues and stop the Elder Ones from uh, coming through. It's a lot of fun, but just like every other Arkham Horror board game that is out there, there's an incredibly long setup time of sorting cards and sorting pieces and doing all that. And an equal amount of time to put it all away. Um, actual playtime, even with a single person can be upwards of two hours on this. So you're going to spend, you know, 30 minutes getting the, the game pieces out, but you're going to get a good hour and a half, two hours play at a single person, uh, three hours plus if you've got, you know, up to six people playing this game. So uh, it's kind of worth it to to check it out. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. A brand new expansion I just found out uh, today came out like last month, a couple of months ago. And so that has now been added to my Amazon wish list uh, for me to uh, to pick up an ad. So speaking of our Amazon wish lists, we do have an Amazon affiliate link. So if you're looking for any of these games that we've been talking about, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon link that will take you to our Amazon page. And then anything that you buy, through that link that you go through at Major Spoilers will uh, get credit to, to us. So if you're buying board games, you're buying RPG games, you're buying, I don't know, underwears, uh, whatever it is, you buy it, a little bit comes back our way, and um, and uh, we are eternally grateful for that. So my number three, Arkham Horror, the third edition. Rodrigo, both of us with a uh, third edition in our number threes. So that is a very helpful there. But we are now moving on to our number twos. And Matthew, what do you have for your number two? Well, now I feel like I should have a, a second edition. Of a second edition. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, maybe I didn't. Um, actually, my number two is a game that, once again, had back when, you know, we actually were trying to have the family nights before the universe exploded and everybody went off and did their thing. Um, you know, the child. <sighs> Seniors are just terrible. Uh, Stephen actually sent... Uh, this game to us as a Christmas gift, uh, Machi Koro, which is a board game basically where you are the mayor of the city of Machi Koro, and you are attempting to 
build a city, sort of like a, a card-based tabletop version of SimCity, except with a few more twists and turns and strange things happening. So, like, you can build a cheese factory, or you can put up a, a nice theme park. You can make Wally World. But every one of those has a cost, and it has a downside. So you will have to try and make the largest city uh, based against whoever you're playing. Usually we play with four players, so we'd have four cities going. And each person would then get your cards, you build your city, you come up with whatever resources you need, you put it all together. And then at the end, you count it all up, and the child always wins, because I'm pretty sure they cheat. But, you know, it's it's a thing. You kind of live with it. Essentially... When you construct all your landmarks, you make your city, you're good, you win. And it's a game that it does take some time, it takes some energy, but it's not like um, it's not like a game of Monopoly where you can watch seasons changing outside the window and calendar pages flying off. You can see your beard growing. It's a whole thing. Machikoro, it moves quickly. And I feel like if you get to a point where you're like, okay, Maybe we're all done. You can actually go at that point and say, you know what? Maybe we're not done. Who has the most points? You still win. That is always something that I really enjoy in a game. That question of what do you do if you can't finish a round? And the answer in this is, hey, you still have a thing. You still have all of the the pieces in play. You can come back next time and finish the game. And I feel like that's really cool. It may be the, the best gift that Steven has given me in recent memory. What? Um, I gave yeah. you a whole collection of Legion of uh, Superheroes action figures. That certainly you, has got to be better than Machikoro. That was, that that was years ago. That was speaks of Machikoro. That was yeah. years uh, ago. Actually, Matthew, you should have said, uh, and I don't know if you've bought any of the expansions for Machikoro, mm-hmm. but there is a Machikoro 2 that you can Electric put into your, into your uh, thing. So, yeah, those are oh, cool. freely available. When, it, when the game first came to America, it was released through IDW Games. And as I mentioned mm-hmm. way early at the beginning of the show, IDW Games had to shut down because they weren't making any money. Um, uh, but uh, now other distributors have picked this up. This is a Japanese game that has come into the Amer- into the Americas. And it. Yeah. I will uh, echo what Matthew said. Very fun game. Very, very fun yeah, game. If, you, if you've played Monopoly and thought to yourself, I would like to play a game like this, but that actually works. And is cuter <laughs> and more fun. Yeah. That, yeah. that ends. And yes. ends, yep. I, I think each yeah, game's maybe. about 30 minutes long, so... It's not yeah. like you're committing to this. And it was, it's so easy that I think when my oldest was like six or seven years old, we got this game and he mm-hmm. had no problem picking the up, it up. The instructions are super easy to understand. He even explained it to my wife um, while I was taking care of uh, the youngest changing a diaper or something. So this is, this is a real easy game, real easy game. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, a game that I'm, way into right now um it is called lancer yeah it is. Uh, it's a it's a game in which you get to play a mech pilot um and then you get to fight other giant robots uh and sometimes you know kaiju or eldritch abominations or whatever um really the the biggest selling point for me about lancer is this is the first mech based game I've ever read where being in a mech is fun. Um, mm-hmm. Most other RPGs that I've come across uh, tend to go very uh, like 
like very try to be very realistic about it and mm-hmm. have you like either manage your energy like through like how many like BTUs or whatever you're putting through to something or there's like tables and tables and tables of what happens uh when x y or z damage happens to your mech um Lancer is much more streamlined than that and tends to put forward like the the thing that you are spending the most time doing is moving around tactically and either shooting lasers or punching other mechs um or 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 weirder stuff if you prefer because there are some weird mechs in it um I strongly recommend it you can get the um you can get the core book without the game master stuff for free uh, or you can buy the the full book, um, and you can also buy a uh, a hardcover book if you're the sort of person that uh, needs uh, physical, you know, books and and meat space. Yeah, uh, there's also an online system to manage the game and your yeah. characters, which is just brilliant. But I don't know if that's affiliated with the actual company if they it, own it or if it was a um, they they don't account. own it, but they don't own it, but but it is official. So the they it's called CompCon. So it's CompCon.app uh, online, and it is probably the best character builder that I've ever come across. And and it is just like that ability to work closely with the creators of the game that really I think gives it an edge. Yeah, it's it's really easy. Uh, I really enjoy Lancers a lot. Very good RPG game. Uh, okay, my number two is one that came out in 2020, and I. Thank goodness it came out in 2020 and it was available for us to play uh, Marvel United. And then the follow-up uh, expansion to that X-Men United or United X-Men. I don't know how they're calling it these days, but um, Marvel United and X-Men United, you uh, play these uh, little uh, chibi versions of uh, all the Marvel heroes and villains. You've got a circular board that you are moving between different sections of cities or locations, and you are trying to knock out the bad guys, save the good guys, uh, save the citizenry and punch out the big bad who has his own mastermind plan for the entire game. I don't think you technically need to have the little miniatures, but the miniatures are certainly what make this game uh, so much fun. This is a uh, come on, Simon, uh, cool mini or not, uh, whatever, the, however you're pronouncing it these days. But uh, this is just a fantastic game. Again, it's super easy to learn. It's super easy to play. It is very challenging again, depending on what, mastermind you're using but uh, again the whole family just loves this game we will sit down and play it and everybody gets to choose their own character if you went in on the kickstarter expansion you can get the base boxes for both marvel united and uh, x-men i believe at target um and you get you know a few figures you basically get the avengers in the united set and then some of the base x-men from uh in the x-men set but if you go all out and you got all of the expansions and stuff, you basically have the entire Marvel universe that you get to command as far as the heroes go. I mean, there's a Howard the Tuck uh, figure that my oldest son loves to play because he uh, he says that there's an OP card that pretty much there's a point in the game where you can't damage the mastermind. And then there's a point in the game where it's absolutely uh, necessary for you to damage the, the villain. You have to uh, do a couple of unlocks first. But I believe the Howard the Duck character allows you to damage the villain even before you've unlocked uh, the challenges uh, on that. So he loves playing Howard the Duck. <laughs> My wife likes playing Shang-Chi. Uh, the youngest, uh, he jumps around between different characters, whichever one he's in the mood for that day. Usually it's a tough, brawly guy. 
Um, I would bet if we sat down to play it now, he would probably be into the Doctor Strange character, or uh, he will usually pick up a Spider-Man character for that. And I don't care. I just want one that's cool and everybody's having fun. Uh, the most recent expansions include an X-Men, ex- or, um, as I said, X-Men, but you've got Fantastic Four in that mix. Uh, you've got a whole Thanos uh, quest that you can do in one of them. You've got the Heroes of Asgard in there. It is a massive game. It takes up a lot of space uh, on my storage shelves. But, man, it, it is a fun game. And and the next time that, that Come On drops their next United uh, Marvel United uh, expansion, you bet I'm plunking my money down, even though for the last year and a half now I have not jumped on any Kickstarter campaigns because I'm waiting for some others to be, uh, be delivered. But the minute that they announce their next Marvel United game, I'm all over that. So Marvel United is my number two. Okay, we have reached the top of our lists. I know everybody's counting along. Yes, there's five and there's four. Oh, yeah, they just did three and then there's two. Now we're ready for number one. I would say that if you're enjoying top five, one of the things that you can do is you can join our community of patrons over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. That's how we're able to keep this show going and keep keep you entertained week after week, whether it is our version of top five or whether it's Dan Patrice's version of top five, where he shares like some, uh, I think what was the most recent one, the top five negotiation games, which a lot of people uh, talk about. We're able to do that because of all of our valuable community members over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So if you found this uh, fun, if you found it informative, maybe you got some new games that you're going to play. Come join our community. We really want to see our uh, major spoilers community grow, and we can do that with you coming into the fold. Uh, it's not quite like a cult, but, you know, it's getting close. Uh, Patreon.com slash major spoilers. And now, as our pyramid schemes often go, uh, let us get to our number ones, the top of the charts. Matthew, what do you have for your number one? Hey, top of the charts, your big number one on Dix 103. Sorry, I just had a flashback. My number one is another game that I played when I was a kid, and it's another game that I can't play anymore because the version we had when I was a kid ruined it. Um, but it is a game that dates back to the late 1800s. Uh, if you've ever heard of the Milton Bradley Company, this is the game that made Milton a Bradley. Or oh. however that would go. Yes. It's known these days as the Game of Life. Apparently it was originally called the Checkered Game of Life, but the Checkers people probably sent a C and D. Um, but the thing that I loved about the game of life when I was a kid was that it had a built in spinner, like a little wheel of fortune spinner, like actually attached to the board and you would go and you would, you know, roll, you would go through the game. And this was the seventies version. So it wasn't the early, early, early one where it's like brought to you by Art Linkletter or some nonsense, but you would go through and you would choose whether you want to go to school or whether you want to learn a trade. And then you would go through and sometimes the game would settle you with children. You'd get married. Um, You know, you would go through this whole thing of kind of a 70s, 60s expectation of what life could be. And then you would get to the end and you would either go completely bankrupt because you had no money or you could move into the, you know, the high class uh, area along the other side of the game. and. I always kind of liked that theory of going through where you have a little bit more of, you know, it's not really a skill component. A lot of times it's a matter of luck. You can't necessarily say, now I have 17 children and I'm going to, you know, go and live in this bankrupt area. But also you can't not say that. 
so when you when you're playing the version that I actually grew up with with the game of life, you would spin the wheel, you would go through, and life would hand you what you had, and you had to do the best you could with what you had. And I feel like it taught an important lesson. Uh, actually, it taught two lessons. One, you can't control what life gives you, and two, my big sister Tammy cheats and is a biter. So if you let her play the bank and try to stop her from playing the bank, you will walk away with tooth marks in your arm and you'll still lose the game. And so I feel like that's important. Recently, we, the last few or probably five years, we bought a new version and it's just not the same. I mean, now they're like, oh, you can acquire a pet. I'm like, what is this millennial nonsense? I don't need a cat. I have 17 children. But yes, uh, the game of life keeps getting updated and keeps getting changed. And by the way, millennials, I know you're 35, 40 years old and you, you know, you do your thing. It's fine. I'm Generation X. We all just wander around. But the game of life, my number one, you should actually play it. It's a good game. I've been playing the game of life for years now. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one? <laughs> uh, my number one is a, a tabletop role playing game. Mm -hmm. So I guess half of you owe five bucks to the other half of you uh, Wait, that are listening. Uh, I don't know. It depends if you uh, put in your bet uh, early enough. But um, speaking of hedging your bets, uh, it's uh, Changeling the Lost First Edition. Um, that makes that's funny because uh, the the way in which Changelings acts as the the fairy realm is through this thing called the hedge. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, Changeling the Lost is part of the new World of Darkness, right? Because there was an old World of Darkness back in the 90s, then uh, in the late uh, 2000s, they started rolling out the new World of Darkness. Um, and uh, some of these games I've I've revisited, just sat down to read them, and I have very much no, and both for Old World of Darkness and New World of Darkness, and I have very much no, uh, no excitement to play them or run them, except for Changeling. And Changeling really, I think, continues to hold up, because unlike, I don't know, probably 90% of the games in the old and new world of darkness. It's not a game about predators. It's a game about victims. Uh, you still can be a predator in it, um, but it's not something that demands that you like necessarily prey upon the humans. Um, changelings are fundamentally kind of sad, tragic characters. And it can be a game in which you play someone who tries to get a normal life back together, despite having all this weirdness around them. Or you can play something where your characters are uh, maybe more heroic or, or who uh, embrace the, the fact that their lives have become so weird. Um, I, would, I would recommend that anybody who likes role-playing games in general sits down with the core book and gives it a read. Um, it's a very smart book. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's actually the the mythology of it is really cool and very creepy at times. Um, but all around, it's like a good 
good moody game to play on a rainy day, I guess. All right. There you go. Uh, my number one, Rodrigo, I think, bore witness to this exchange multiple times. Mm. Uh, D&D Brian, we would be, all be overplaying Critical Hit, and um, D&D Brian would say, uh, we should play a game called Street Masters. It's a game where it's uh, like you're playing a, a beat-em-up uh, side-scroller video game, but you do it in a board game form. And I think you'd really like it, Stephen. And I was just like, I don't know, Brian. It sounds not fun. Have you been and, sitting on this Brian impression this whole time? <laughs> no, that's not my Brian impression. Okay. But um, finally, I was like, okay, something happened and something got canceled. And he's like, I could bring over Street Masters. And I'm like, okay. And so he brought it over. And darn heck tootin' if Brian wasn't right that this was the most fun game that I've ever played. Uh, it is super challenging. It is super fun. You are, there are so many things going on simultaneously. It feels like with new bads popping in as you're trying to move your character around and you're trying to follow all the AI systems uh, going on. It, it seems very complicated at times, but yes, it is a tactical based board game that makes you feel like you're playing an old side scroller video game. And it is, it is my favorite game. I have backed the various expansions of this. Uh, I am anxiously awaiting the one that I backed. And this is why you never back anything on Indiegogo people. Uh, I, I, um, was at blacklist games has had some problems delivering some of their games recently. So I'm hoping that I get the, the new expansion to street masters, but, uh, this game is great. The miniatures are awesome. The, uh, once you start playing the characters and you start reading their backstories and some of their powers, you're like, Oh yeah, this character is definitely Bruce Lee. This person is definitely, uh, uh, Van Damme. This character is definitely this person. This guy is definitely, uh, you know, every, you know, bad guy. There's a Lee Van Cleef character in, in the game. Uh, there is a, um, um, what's his name? I can't remember it. Uh, but you'll recognize these characters in games uh, and situations and movies and everything that they reference in it. And it's just incredible amount of fun. It's a deck deck shuffling game. Uh, so you know what your power set is and that may oftentimes dictate, um, what character you play because you know the mechanics of that character. And some characters are very easy to play and some characters are very uh, crunchy. Uh, you really need to understand how the uh, cards power up other cards and play off each other in order for this game to, to play out. And man, it is a game that I want to pull out all the time. Fortunately, I know we're talking about tabletop games, but fortunately there is a street masters app uh, for iOS devices. And I believe Google as well. That is the board game turned into, you know, a video game. So it's a video app, a gaming app based on a board game, based on a side scrolling video game. It's come full circle, uh, but it's a great way to learn, learn the board game. But the board game is so much fun. You guys should go pick it up if you can afford it because it is very expensive. Uh, and that's my number one. That's my number one tabletop game. I enjoy that one a whole heck of a lot. Now, here's where you, dear listener, we've already pointed you to our Patreon page. You've already joined our community. If you haven't, we'll wait. Okay, good. Thank you for joining. Uh, now, here's the next thing you need to do. You need to join our Discord community. There's a link in the show notes. You can join the Discord community completely for free. There's a whole bunch of awesome people in there. You're going to see uh, us floating around inside uh, the Discord server every once in a while. I'm in there at least once a day checking on things, making sure everybody's doing well. Uh, and then the, the community there is just awesome. We have channels for all of our podcasts, including Top 5. And so now that you're done listening to the top five tabletop games episode, go over to the Discord uh, server, jump into the top five channel, and share your top five 
tabletop games. Everybody's going to be sharing theirs. Everybody wants to read yours. Why? Everybody loves a list. We'll see you over at Discord, and we'll see you again very soon. Well, we won't see you because this is an audio show, but maybe we can see you. Oh, cover up your cover up the camera on your mobile device, uh, especially you. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.